Amanda and Barron, and we are back again with Kicking Cancer Cares. And our sponsor for this second half is Marianne McNally. She's a residential real estate specialist with Next Home Realty Connection. If you are looking to buy a home or sell a home, or maybe not even sure where to start or what that even looks like, definitely give her a call at 503-409-4389. And then make sure to keep her in your prayers still as she is currently going through her own battle, as you guys know. All right. We left off with kind of a cliffhanger. Yes, we did. Cynthia, you were really adding some good comments here. Um, I want to circle back to this article. And again, this is something I found on the Internet. uh, But there's a good job in this article of trying to explain what's going on. And it's easy to explain it from 10,000 feet. It's a whole lot harder when your family is the one that's affected. So feel, feel free to add your own personal thoughts to what's going on here, guys. Um, but what it says in here, it, it mentions again that there's an alarming statistic is that there's 45 children every day that are diagnosed with cancer. Additionally, many parents and advocates feel that pediatric cancers are not taken as seriously as adult cancers by the medical community, and this also contributes to the lack of funding. Children may be perceived, and you said this a minute ago, Amanda, children may be perceived as more resilient mm-hmm. since they typically don't have as many comorbidities comorbidities as adults, which are the side effects, um, as as the side effects of treatment, may not be given as much consideration. So what they're saying is because the kids don't have as many side effects, the pharmaceuticals aren't taking them quite as seriously. Right. The pharmaceutical industry is reluctant to develop drugs for childhood cancers as the potential market is too small. Pharmaceutical companies want to ensure return on their investment, and if the average yearly number of new cases in children is around 15,000, the potential market for drugs to treat these cancers is not very large. So during our little break, Victoria and I were chatting for a second. Victoria, just tell the listeners what you do here in town and how this kind of plays into this conversation. So my role is in banking and finance, and I help businesses, business clients really navigate their cash flow, lending, those types of things, uh, help them with all things banking, if you will, on a real simplistic overview. Yeah. Well, and I know that, you know, now I have a job with Surpro, you're able to help, you are the process of helping my bosses with some of this. But during the break, you made an interesting comment in regards to the auto industry as kind of a comparison here. Do you want to elaborate now that we're back on here? Yeah, as, as we're talking about all this, this topic, it reminds me of the auto industry and my frustration over the years when there's a new vehicle that's out in the, on the market and all of a sudden there's a mechanical error, one person dies, Second person dies, third person dies, and there's a concern with the public of, oh my gosh, why are we not fixing this issue? Why is there not a recall? Well, back in the day when I had this conversation, it was probably 20 years ago, um, it's dollars. It's an almighty dollar. The cost-benefit wasn't there to recall millions of vehicles because three people died. And that's the dollar. That's the old mighty dollar. And I understand that from a budgetary standpoint but the moral obligation we have to human life is, to me, far outweighs that dollar. And so where, how do you break through that dollar statistics for really the, the mindfulness of human humans? Mm-hmm. 
uh, it's staggering to me, but it, it correlates with this industry, the cancer industry. Sure. And, and for those listeners that go back, it would have been about uh, November of last year, Victoria joined us. We had this conversation about, you know, advertising for centers, re- cancer centers. And, you know, we talk about this from a business standpoint for that as well. But here's where I would love, Cynthia and Eric, for you guys to kind of weigh in, because the article does offer some potential solutions. And just your thoughts on these solutions. Solution number one, the government could provide more financial incentives for companies and research labs to study and develop treatments for childhood cancers. So we give governmental incentives to these companies to do some research. That's one solution. Okay. Second one, more clinical trials for children with cancer are needed. Pharmaceutical companies are reluctant to invest in pediatric cancers developed unless there's a good chance of recouping their investment. Eric, remind me again, didn't Santiago go through a clinical trial? He went through two clinical trials, yes. So what they're saying is a possible solution is more clinical trials so that the pharmaceutical industries feel like they're going to get the return on investment. Do you know who funded the clinical trial that Santiago went through? The first one was um, St. Jude themselves uh, because the, the clinical trial that he did at St. Jude, it was a drug that they created. Um, so that was they funded that particular clinical trial. Um, and then as far as for the one at the Cincinnati's Children's, I'm not quite sure who funded that one. It was a pharmaceutical company. I just don't remember what the what – the background was on it. I don't yeah, think at that point we were looking into it. Was, okay. That one. one thing it does mention in here is that there was something, there was an act that was passed in 2020 called the Creating Hope Act, and I haven't researched it because I just, just saw this article, but it, the FDA reviews new pediatric drugs, which is part of what this Creating Hope Act is. So maybe some steps are being made to try to address this issue. Um, The third one says, there needs to be more awareness among the general public of the seriousness of childhood cancers. And this is really where I want you guys to share something that you are doing there on the East Coast. Because I saw some posts on social, Eric and Cynthia. You guys organized some kind of a march on D.C.? Yes, sir. Um... It's CureFest. Is, is, we're, we're part of the, the team that's putting all of that together, but CureFest comes to D.C. every year, and it's you know, where they're really talking about pediatric cancer, specifically you know, brain cancer and DIPG are, are the main topics. Um, it's you know, a week-long event where you know, we bring in lots of foundations, doctors, new research. A lot of people are coming in there, so there's a lot of you know, just information sharing amongst all the foundations and uh, you know, just people in general. And then there is some advocacy that happens, you know, with that march, with us speaking to, again, last year someone got a chance to speak with, you know, um, the First Lady. So there was an opportunity there that was taken for them to uh, continue to add more advocacy as it goes forward. How long ago was that march you guys did? It's every year in September, so it was almost this time last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what kind of attendance did you have last year? Uh, well, the the event is actually um, was it hosted by uh, another foundation called Arms Wide Open and and some other foundations as well. So basically, it's just an event where a whole bunch of nonprofit foundations get together 
Um, they talk about what each different foundation does. They have um, breakfasts and luncheons where they have uh, different doctors and different researchers will come and do a presentation to let the public know what is currently happening, what is out there right now, what families can do, how to get more information about that. Um, and then also there's families that are currently going through the fight right now that will attend and will also interact with people um, and like Eric said, there is a march where we march to the Capitol to kind of just get the, you know, the government to say, hey, this is, you know, we're here, we're marching, something more needs to be done. Um, there is a wall there of, of children who have either passed or currently fighting. Um, and then also like, a, it's because the event takes place, it's about three or four days. Mm -hmm. And then the last day, um, which for me, I think it's so powerful, at the Washington Monument, um, families that have lost children to pediatric cancer will lay a pair of shoes on the lawn there in front of the Washington Monument. And when I tell you that just to visually see just a sea of sh little shoes, I mean, it's, it, it's heartbreaking. Um, you see parents and, and just people just crying. It really takes your breath away because you can. It's now you can visually see, and that's just a small percentage of, right. of Those are you know who showed, up. who showed up. But it's so powerful. I mean, the event is amazing. Um, we've met some incredible uh, other people who run some amazing foundations. The networking there is amazing. Um, the families there that we've met are amazing, and I mean, it's a strong group of people that attend and. And you know they're 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 fighting <laughs> alongside with us. I mean, there's things are happening. It's a great event. If you guys obviously cannot see this over the phone, but Victoria is vigorously making notes over here. What are you What are you making notes about, Victoria? <laughs> well, I want to know how do we reach coast to coast? What you what this event does? Is it available? Virtually, could somebody join that? How how can we make that happen to the very smallest communities to get the education component out and and also let people know there's support out there? Mm -hmm. There's too many initiatives and things happening that people need to be aware of and need to take it seriously right. and get involved in the pieces that they're able to. So that's what I'm thinking. Okay, how do we bring that coast to coast? Well, yeah, and, and I mean it's. A Oh, I'm sorry. I just no. wanted to share that if anybody wanted to get information, they can go to CureFestUSA.org, and it'll, it'll list everything that goes on there. And last year they did do a lot virtually because that was the first year after COVID. So it's, it's definitely available for anybody. And, uh, yeah, the, the website is probably your best way to get that started. Awesome. Thank you. Well, and, and Victoria has a huge smile on her face right now. <laughs> um <laughs> When I when I first met, I, I, I just this story is so fun for me to tell. But when I started this, Eric and Cynthia, that five years ago, um, I I just needed a little bit of funding, and this friend of mm -hmm. mine had donated five hundred dollars to my first little seminar I was putting together. Um, and then he sends me a text, and he said, "I have a really good friend who beat cancer twice. Will you take her one of our shirts?" And I didn't know who this Lady Victoria Shin was. And I, all I knew, she was, a, she was a senior vice president, which I was allowing that title to just freak me out. And I pull up in front of the bank and I said, Baron, that guy gave you $500. Put on your big boy pants and go in and talk to this lady. <laughs> um, but then I shared a vision that I had 
five years ago. And, and that vision was to bring a million people on a march on D.C. And, and Victoria's like, a parade and a march? I'm in. What are we going to do? You know? And so what you guys are doing, in fact, I, I dug out an old binder, and I haven't even talked to very much to Amanda about this, but um, I had a goal to get a million names. And to be in this book, somebody writes a family member's name in it. So you have to have passed mm-hmm. away to be in this book. And we have, uh, looks like we have about nine, ten pages already filled up, um, but we want to get a million names. And the goal is always to, to have this book full so it's impactful. You know, a million names yeah. is a lot of pieces of paper. And then mm-hmm. bring a million people on this march and go, you're not fixing the problem. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Like, here's a million people that somebody wrote their name in this book, and here's a million people that came from all the United States, fix the dadgum problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the front of the book is that quote that, we, that I always say, from these honored dead, we take increased devotion to the cause, which they gave the fullest measure of devotion. Mm-hmm. Dolan and Bain. Yeah. So, th- so it's just really great that you guys are part of something that maybe we can piggyback off from and within the next few years actually pull off this massive march. Mm-hmm. I would love to see it, love to see it. Like she said, the power of everybody coming together is amazing. Being the shoes, it, it gives me chills just talking about it. But it, it, the visual and all the people that are just walking around downtown and they see it, they're like, why is that? And when you tell them that's another person that, that you spread the word to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that Victoria brought, I think this is a really interesting timeline that maybe Victoria can share this. Uh, I didn't realize this, but this whole fight on cancer started in 1937. Is that right, Victoria? Actually, 30 years before that, the conversation started. So why don't you share what you have found in your timeline there? Yeah, this is just interesting. It's on the National Cancer Institute website, which honestly, till yesterday, I'm embarrassed. I didn't even know they existed. And they're the ones with the $7.3 billion of funding available. But what was interesting to me is Senate Bill 2067 took 30 years to get to the desk of uh, President Roosevelt to sign into effect in 1937. From that point forward, there's been there's a timeline available that you can pull up, but it goes through all the different additions. Um, in the 60s, they started Nixon signed a, signed another document that uh, allowed funding in certain areas. But it, it's just fascinating to me. We're almost a hundred years. Actually, we're by if you take that 30 years to the time when they signed that bill. We're over 100 years from the infancy of conversation to where we are right now. And yes, we've made some strides. Yes, there's clinical trials, which everyone gets excited about, myself included. Um, immunotherapy, when it came out you know, 20 years ago, oh my gosh, this is going to be the it. And we're still not there yet. And so uh, it just is astounding. Well, and, and, and kind of a staggering statistic for me, you're, you said they started these conversations in basically 1905, 1907. Mm. Um, in, in the early 1900s, there were only 25,000 new cases of cancer in the whole United States. Oh, wow. So we're starting this conversation when there were 25,000 in the whole United States. Oregon alone got 25,000 last year. Yeah. And now we're at 2 million new cases. But, but here we sit 100 and some odd years later, and it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So with that statistic, I go back to the 4% funded for pediatric. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 
and I'm going to piggyback off that, but yet they sit there and they advertise and they have radio commercials, they have TV commercials, they have all of these things that they can push the, this money towards instead of actually having a solution and, and putting that towards the pediatrics. And we, and we are the only nation in the world that allow pharmaceuticals to advertise on TV. And, that, and that's not cheap. No, it's and not it's, cheap. It, it, and they're on. I see pharmaceutical companies more than other commercials, in all honesty. And so it's frustrating that that's where they choose to put their money instead of actually helping do you know what find a, you know a, a 30-second spot on national television would cost you to advertise? Oh, and then during prime time? Prime, prime huh? time. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. I can only imagine. Well, we I sit here, and and I haven't gone through what you guys have gone through, Eric, and say, I haven't even gone close, and I, I commend you for joining us. I thank you again for calling in. But you see this from a different level mm-hmm. than we do, right? We're frustrated, but you are probably at a whole different level of frustration. Um, any any thoughts here on this conversation? Yeah, I mean, the when you hear that percentage, it it's it shakes you, especially when you're there. I'm the only way you win a war is by putting troops on the ground, and you can't do that without funding. So we feel like we're starting already from behind the eight ball. Um, and then there's just not a lot of communication to the families for some of those uh, clinical trials. So you're kind of, we were rushed into one. We didn't get a lot of information at that time. It was, hey, this is all you can do. Do this. But then you also have to fund a way to get there. There's a lot of that money that goes into some of this research, but that needs to go to some of these families during that time. And that's part of what our foundation is you know, founded on, was that some of these families can't even get to that clinical trial. So that becomes out of the realm. And then a lot of the clinical trials are very narrow in their scope, which is good, but then that also narrows an already narrow field down. Mm-hmm. So there's so many other levels of this that is frustrating. And especially now that I can step away and, you know, I'm not emotionally tied to it as much as I was then, but it, it is frustrating on a lot of different avenues. And you want to make it easier for these people, not only to understand it and know it, but to feel supported and to feel like, again, our country is behind them and that they don't have to lose their home. They don't have to lose everything just to give their child a chance. So, again, the, the frustration mounts as you start seeing other families and other people going through this as well. But you just want to make it easier. It shouldn't be as difficult as it is for a, a country as great as ours to take care of their children. I, I think, man. I think Victoria's now on her third pin. She's, right. She's just writing. More notepads. More, more paper. More paper. Yeah, Eric, you just hit on you hit on a couple of things that um, helps me think. I don't know if you're familiar with tunnels to towers uh, that they have mm-hmm. for veterans. It's something. Look into that. I don't. I won't go into it right now. I don't want to okay. take time for that. But their model to keep fam- veterans' families in their homes or have a home, create a home for them is what I'm thinking regarding what you just said. As far I, I haven't even thought about families possibly losing their homes because of the cost of the treatments. Correct. And so there isn't an avenue for that, but the, the model that tunnels to towers, take a look at it, and that's what my thought was. I will. All right. When I, my son, he went to Philadelphia for a trial. 
um, not cancer related, but for what he had was born with. Um, and I was 17 and me and my ex-husband at the time lived with his parents. So luckily we didn't have bills, but my mother-in-law mm-hmm. ended up coming with us for five of the months and she ended up losing her job because she had to take a yeah. leave of absence. And then they told her, okay, you know, it, cause it was open-ended. We weren't really sure when we were coming back in all honesty. Um, and so she ended up, they ended up letting her go. And thinking of that, had I been an adult, what would I have done with my bills in my home? Uh, The Ronald McDonald house was phenomenal with helping us with um, a room and whatnot. We still had to pay a little bit and with food and stuff. But yeah, how do you how do you focus everything on being there for your child? And because, yes, we had to travel to Philadelphia. We had to travel across the United States, and that's not easy. Exactly. And, yeah, we would have, had we had our own place, we would yeah. have lost everything. Well, mm-hmm. we, uh, we've got one more little piece we want to talk about. So what I would encourage the listeners to do is email Amanda at... Amanda at kslm.news. If you have any thoughts to add to this conversation, if you'd like to be put in touch with Eric and Cynthia, if you've got some ways to help them on the East Coast... Let's just, as a collective community, keep this conversation going because there has got to be a way. Mm-hmm. 45 kids a day is not acceptable. No. Not acceptable. No. Those 45 matter. Yeah. In fact, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to make an offer right now. So Kicking Cancer has a store here in town. It's 3737 Cherry Avenue. Anybody that emails Amanda, I'm going to do a buy one, get one free shirt. Oh, wow. You just email Amanda you can get one of our red ones that says join the movement. You can get a different colors, whatever. Email Amanda, and, and then she can contact me. I'm going to do a buy one, get one free shirt for today for this show. We're going to honor these kids with a shirt. That's amazing. Yep. That's very kind of you. Buy Thank one, you, Buy one, get one free. Yep, yep. Well, I do want to try to keep our timeline going because this could turn into a two-hour show really right. quick. <laughs> and, and, and thanks sure. again so much, Eric and Cynthia, for what you've added to this conversation. Yes, thank you. Well, yeah, oh, oh, I, thank, I, you. I, thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, Victoria's got another comment. I just want to say, Eric and Cynthia, I haven't met you yet, but my heart is with you. Oh, there yeah, we go. Another it. emotion. <laughs> yeah, I thank just... you so much again. Like. Your yeah. advocacy means so much to yeah. us as well. Again, everybody putting effort into this is another step forward. Absolutely. Well, you, well, I you appreciate guys your will bravery. Meet. You guys will meet because we honored Santiago in yeah. May and we honored Victoria in July. Yeah. And you will meet at our honoring evening. Looking forward Amen. to it. Yeah. Likewise. Likewise, yep. Well, something intriguing happened in our timeline. And this is this is such an interesting event that... Any business, I don't care what the business is, any business that had to figure out how to pivot through COVID survived COVID because if you wanted to keep your business going, you better figure out was. So we had been doing all of these in-person clinics. We did an in-person clinic in the middle of July, but then all the restrictions kicked in again, and all of our in-persons were thrown out the window. So on August the 26th, which is almost three years ago, um, I reached out to a friend of ours named Jamie Westerfeld. Remember me telling Jamie Westerfeld's yeah. story? Yeah. So Jamie Westerfeld lives in Lake Forest, California, and she beat stage four colon cancer. That she they found a grapefruit-sized tumor in her colon. Jeez. And while getting hit with chemotherapy. She was taking Juice Plus to get the phytonutrients, and so she just created an environment for her body to to beat this cancer. Mm -hmm. And I said, will you do a seminar from your house? 
So we gave her administrative um, ability on Facebook, and she just went to Facebook and did a little Facebook Live. And once it was done, then we it's now on our website. So because we decided we got to pivot, we got to do something different, or the education mm-hmm. is going to stop. <clears throat> and we did a Facebook Live from Lake Forest, California, to to keep our message moving forward. That's awesome. And uh, and and again, Jamie's story is unbelievable. Anyone can go to kicking dash cancer.org and when you hit resources um you can put in jamie's name and it'll search her out and then just watch that video she and and victoria's had the pleasure of meeting jamie as well yeah. she's an amazing lady she is so so that's our story for today okay well we've got about another minute left so in our last minute what can we as a community right now eric what can we do to help ozzy's family out in our last minute I mean, first and foremost is provide them prayers of strength. I think everybody, uh, you see her posts, you know that's what they need right now. They need, you know, arms around them right now. They need that, that love and understanding, I think, goes such a long way. I can tell you when I was in my fight, I heard every prayer. I felt it. I think they need that. Um, any financial support that they can get, I'm sure they're going to need now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, again, just, just continue keeping his name out there. I love saying Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. And I, I even send that to her every now and then. You know, I think her hearing his name out in the world gives them that added strength. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I, I, re- I remember when she was in the studio. Well, first off, when you called Cynthia, she was just in tears Lost to hear it. your voice. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but, but when she said, you're telling my son has a time limit? That was powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was powerful. Yeah. 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 Never want to hear that. Yep. No. Well, thank you guys. Beat all of that already. Thank you guys so much for joining us and Victoria joining us in studio. Thank we you. appreciate you guys so much. Our sponsor for this second half is Marianne McNally. She is a real, sorry, a residential real estate specialist with Next Home Realty Connection. So if you're looking to buy a home or sell a home, give her a call at 503-409-4389 and continue to pray for her as well because she is currently going through her own battle. We'll be back next week as as the the movement movement continues. continues.